This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Have you ever been in a casino when somebody hit the jackpot? (laughs) It's kind of like exciting and depressing all in the same moment, right? You know what I mean? You're like, whoa, it just keeps coming, you know? I don't know if that's how it works. Is that how it works? Like, does money just start coming out? No? All right, I don't know. I mean, all I know is when I'm playing in the arcade over here at the City Forum and I hit the right button and all the tickets start coming out, so I just assume... it's exciting and depressing all at the same moment because you're like, whoa, and you're like, oh, I wish that had been me, right? You know, like, yeah, no, (laughs) no. My senior year, we went on a senior trip to the Bahamas, and I got like $300 up, and I called my mom, and I'm like, I'm $300 up, and she's like, you better stop now, and um, and she was right. I came home with nothing, you know, nothing, nothing. did you, did you know that 120 million Americans will, will go into a casino, went into a casino in, in, in 2019? Um, and that's up, that's like 44% of the, of the country. It, and it's up from like 34% in 2009. It's just interesting, like this, this, this longing to, to have. Now, a lot of people will just... Like, they'll just go to a casino, just like it's just entertainment, right, just to, just to have fun. But, um, like, the official gaming organization, like, they report on themselves. And I don't know, how, like, how you get off doing that, you know. But, like, they, they, they send out official reports on themselves. And so they say one out of ten people that gamble um, do it irresponsibly. <laughs> so, like, nine out of ten people gamble responsibly. Like, how do you do that? I don't know how you do that. But they've got their metrics of like, you know, you, you go in with a budget and you don't overspend your budget, you know, all that, you know. It's, um, um, well, hey, so like I've got good news for you this morning, maybe good news for the gamblers in our midst this morning. The, the sermon this morning is not about gambling. <laughs> um, but it's, it's about the jackpot we have hit in our salvation that God has given to us. And, and, and here's the wonderful thing, you guys. The salvation that the Lord wants to give us, and to many of us this morning has already given us, it's not a gamble, it's a guarantee. It's not a roll of the dice. It is settled. And I want you to see this with me in Ephesians chapter 1, picking up in verse 3 this morning. We'll read through the whole chunk, pray, and then we'll dig in. Um, so if you got your Bible and you're in Ephesians 1, would you just hold it up? Let me know you're tracking all right, if you're like me and you did not take a Bible drill as a kid, you might need another minute. So just find your place, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to pick it up in verse 3. If you're ready, say, we're ready. ready. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love 
He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Let's pray together. Father, speak. Speak personally. Speak powerfully to us through your sacred scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is kind of a, like a windy road of a Bible text, isn't it? You're like, does Paul use periods? You know, like, does that exist? And like, he wrote this long, like, ongoing, like, Greek sentence that just had, like, comma and comma and comma and comma. And it is chocked full with spiritual truth. So we're going to move fast because there's a lot in here to mine. And what we're going to see is five aspects of the jackpot of our salvation. Five aspects of the jackpot of our salvation. And the first is God's blessings of salvation. We see this in verse 3. Look at it with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just pause there because what the scripture does for us is the scripture renews our mind to how we ought to be thinking and living. And so here, how many times have you prayed, um, God, bless me. God, it's Monday morning. I need you to bless my day at work. But here, Paul, he's not praying, God, would you bless these people? He's, he's blessing God. <laughs> he says, God, bless you. Bless you, God. Why does he, why does he pray that? Look, look, look on with me, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so this renews our mind again because how many times do you say God bless you to people? <laughs> God bless you. Maybe you say it when people sneeze. God bless you. Clayton, would you throw me that water right there? This man is all the way in from Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Um, we are a part, our church is a part of the Summit Collaborative, which is a church planting movement. And uh, Clayton is here. We've had several church members go through a leadership cohort that he gives uh, leadership to. And uh, I had the privilege of speaking to some guys in Nashville yesterday that Clayton had in. Would you just warmly welcome uh, Clayton and his team for being with us this morning? Love you, brother. <laughs> That's what happens when I forget my water. I call you out in the middle of the sermon. All right, let's see where I was. Where was I? I don't know. Somebody. Thank you, thank you. You say, God bless you when somebody sneezes, right? You say, God bless you to people you see, people at church, God bless you. It sounds really pastoral to say, God bless you. If I tell you, God bless you, 
but it's just kind of like weird because God has blessed us. Like we just need to add an ED to the bless. And we need to start saying to one another, God blessed you. Like, like we actually don't need God to bless us anymore because he has already blessed us, Paul said, with every spiritual blessing. So if you've turned from your sin and trusted Christ, if he's your Lord, if he's your Savior, you are blessed. Well, how blessed am I? You're blessed with every spiritual blessing that God has given you. So it's like when you pray in the morning, God, would you bless me? Done. God, it's Thursday and I made it this far. Would you bless that already done? I have. Long time ago. All on your head and pouring over and unending like an unending waterfall. I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Listen, God has not withheld a single spiritual blessing in your life. He's not withheld a single one. And you're like, man, I don't feel very blessed. Well, it's because you're looking for blessing in the wrong place. What did he say? He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In Colossians, Paul said, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Listen, if you're looking for blessing in this earth, you're cutting yourself short. Because there's something so much better than this earth. Like spiritual realm, spiritual reality, eternal life that's coming. Like listen, we've got work to do on this earth. We've got a mission to live out. But the blessing that God has lavished upon us is too good just for this earth. It's spiritual blessing. It's like otherworldly blessing. And what are those blessings? Well, the first one we see is we're chosen. We're chosen. Look at this with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him. So many of us, we've been living our life trying to get attention and trying to be liked so that we might be invited to the thing, so that we might get to be a part of the thing, so that we might be approved of by the people. Social media is great until you fire it up and see you didn't get invited to the party. And you see the picture of all your friends doing the thing, and then you're like, I was not invited. Friends, listen, the beauty of the blessing, the spiritual blessing that God has given us through his son Jesus Christ is you don't have to get invited to a single party. You don't have to be approved to a single club. You don't have to be accepted and liked by anybody because you have been chosen by the king of the universe. We all want to be wanted. <laughs> Why do you want to be wanted so bad by people made of dirt? <laughs> you are chosen. If you're in Christ, you are chosen by the one that created the people out of dirt with a word. That's pretty good. We can just close it up. Let's just go chew on that this week. Can we do that? Well, his blessings continue because, man, it's like every spiritual blessing. Paul's just giving us a little snippet. He's just giving us a little taste of, of the spiritual blessings. So we're chosen. In, in John 15, verse 16, he said, you didn't choose me, Jesus said. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So quit trying to get the attention of the world and realize you already have the attention of God. In Christ, he chose you, not because of anything impressive you've done, but because he's that awesome. He likes you, he wants you, he chose you. We see that we're chosen. We also see that we're adopted. Look at verse 5. He predestined us for adoption. To himself, his sons, through Jesus Christ. I love watching people's adoption stories. 
Like, I just can't, like, when somebody posted, like, a little video of them going somewhere to pick up their child and to bring them into their family for the first time, it's like, this person's about to go from being an orphan to having a mom and dad. It's like, those stories, man, it's just, they get, get me every time. This Friday, I was eating lunch with a friend, and I've known him for a couple of years, and I have no idea how I did not know this about him, but we're eating lunch, and somehow it came up that their fifth child they adopted from Kazakhstan. In one minute into him telling me about the adoption of their child from Kazakhstan, he's weeping. And they adopted her 20 years ago. (laughs) And he can't get over the glory of adopting his daughter. He just can't talk about it without weeping. And friends, that's the heart of God. That is part of the blessing of what it means to be in Christ. Is not only are we chosen, but we are adopted People go to great sacrifices to adopt kids, don't they? And God went to a great sacrifice in sending Jesus to die for us so that we could be adopted. But not only are we chosen and adopted, but we're redeemed. Look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. What is redemption, Paul? What do you mean by that? Well, he could explain it a number of ways, but here he explains it, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So in verse 7, he introduces this idea of redemption. And then later in the verse, he explains the idea by describing the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. In other words, God hasn't given us a little bit of forgiveness. He's given us abundant forgiveness. It's described in verse 8 as having lavished it upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to the mystery of his will. Isn't it interesting? Some of you think God made a mistake in forgiving you. Some of you are sitting here and you look around at this whole room and you think, God, you did good in forgiving them, but not me. And Paul said, no, God was wise when he forgave you. He forgave you in in all wisdom. It demonstrated his wisdom. The cross, Jesus, the blessing, forgiveness, redemption. It demonstrated God's wisdom. So we're chosen, adopted, redeemed, and then look at this. We are sealed with an inheritance. We see this in verses 11 through 14. In him... We have obtained an inheritance, having predestined, having, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Look at verse 13. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, not the gamble, but the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Listen, some of you grew up in, a, in a, an understanding of Christianity that you could somehow kind of like fall out of the family of God. And I want to tell you this morning, I think that's a lie from the enemy. And I think Paul knew that the enemy would seek to try to trip God's people up. I think the Lord knew that the enemy would try to trip God's people up and, and get them to think that remaining in God's family has something to do with what they do rather than being chosen and being adopted and being redeemed rather than the work of Christ. And so he writes to reinforce the truth, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And and as if we didn't understand what it meant to be sealed, he said, it's the guarantee of your salvation. In other words, listen, God did not roll the dice on us. I'm going to send Jesus, I'm going to express my love, he's going to die and rise again, and it's just going to give these people a chance to be a part of my family. No. God sent Jesus 
to purchase a people for the Father, to make a people God's family, to choose them and adopt them and redeem them, and then by the Spirit to seal them. It's not a gamble. It's not how good we do. It's not a roll of the dice. It is a guarantee that when you trust Christ, you're part of the family of God forever. Forever. You know... (laughs) You know, I get asked all the time to, like, to undo, like, jars of pickles. You know what I mean? You know? Do you know? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Any, anybody have that? Like, you're just always the guy that they ask to. <laughs> no, it's like, it's 50%. Sometimes I'm the guy, sometimes I'm not. But usually I can't get the jar open, you know? It's like, I know. It's like, it's. But have you ever, have you ever been frustrated? You can't, you can't get a jar unsealed? It's like you pass it around the room and nobody can get it unsealed. And you're like, wait, that's a picture. Listen, that's a picture. When you're sealed by the Spirit of God, when you trust in Christ, you receive the Spirit of God. And he becomes the guarantee of your inheritance that's coming one day when Christ returns. You're sealed and nobody's getting the top of the jar off. Um, Have you ever seen the movie Annie? Do you guys remember the movie Annie? I just let's just watch this clip. Let's throw it back a little bit. Now, watch Annie, this clip of Annie. What would you like to do first? The windows, then the floors. That way, if I drift. No, no, Annie. You don't understand. You don't have to do any cleaning while you're here with us. I won't. How am I going to earn my keep? Why, you're our guest, Annie. The seal will pick out all your clothes. Blue is her best color. No, red, I think. Your bath is drawn by Mrs. Greer. Soap. No, bubbles, I think. Annette comes in to make your bed. And silk? No, the satin sheets, I think. I think I'm gonna like it here. My dear 
some of you need to go home and watch the movie. Did you hear what she said? Somebody pinch me. Did you hear that last line? Somebody pinch me. Holy cow. I think I'm going to like it here. I know I'm going to like it here. She was an orphan. <laughs> Chosen, wanted, adopted, brought in. And friends, when we begin to see with spiritual sight the glory of our salvation, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We just began to dance around. There is a song in our heart of, I'm going to like it here. And my prayer, church, my prayer is that God would give us spiritual sight to see that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And we would have a hunger to know the depths of that. And we'd be like, this is so good. Somebody pinch me. This is so good. So in the, the five aspects of the jackpot of salvation, we see God's blessing of salvation, but we also see God's sovereignty in salvation. We see this woven through this text. And what we understand is that, God, that our salvation, it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't by chance. It wasn't a coincidence. It was not random. It wasn't unknown. Our salvation was planned in the heart and mind of God before the foundation of the world. That's why in verse 4, Paul writes, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Our salvation was, as he says in verse 9, according to his purpose, which he set forth. So, so God had a purpose, and he set forth. He had a plan, and he executed on that plan. Verse 11 says, in him we have obtained an, an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So the vision of God that we get in scripture is not a distant, uninterested, random, roll of the dice God. We see a God on his throne with a plan, <laughs> a plan to bless a people with every spiritual blessing and effectively executing on that plan. The scripture says, He's working all things according to the counsel of his will. Listen, God is not confused about what he's doing in the world. His plan and his sovereignty is executing his plan. That's why in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, not even a sparrow falls to the ground apart from the Father. Like that's how in control God is. Not even a bird falls to the ground apart from the Father. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, all of my days were ordained for me before one of them came to be. Oh, the mind of God. Oh, the power and majesty of our God. Now, some of us this morning, we may be tempted to take a fatalistic approach. In hearing all these things, we may be tempted to say, you know, if God has all this planned out, why bother? And we may be tempted to disengage from life in God's mission. But I want to show you a text of scripture that I think models for us. How do we understand that God is sovereign in our salvation and respond to that and live it out? Turn over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. The temptation is real. The temptation is to see this vision of a sovereign God as he is the, as the author of Hebrews says he's upholding the universe by the word of his power. 
So the temptation is to go, well, God is sovereign. He's, he's upholding it all, and he's planned it all, and he's executing it all. Why don't I just sit back and watch him do it? Why don't I just disengage? But that is not what God wants us to do in light of his sovereignty. Look at verse 23 of Acts chapter 4 with me. Would you see this? The, the context here is Peter and John had been jailed for preaching the gospel. And then in verse 23, Luke records, when they were released, so they're released from being in captivity. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth that set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Look at verse 27. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. I want you to see verse 27 again so you understand what he's saying. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your servant Jesus, whom you anointed. There were gathered together both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Wow. Wow. What we get here from the biblical authors is that even the details of the cross and how God was accomplishing his redemption, that God somehow, his will and his activity somehow transcended the evil actions of men and he still sat enthroned over them to accomplish his purpose. Wow. So if God's even sitting enthroned over wicked men, shouldn't we just disengage? Absolutely not. That's not at all. Look at how they respond to this great truth. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They don't disengage. They actually do the opposite. What do they do? They immediately start praying. (laughs) God, you're in control, so we're going to pray. God, you're executing your plan, so we're going to pray. God, you're strong and wise, and and you got it all planned out, and we're going to pray. This is the way God wants us to respond. Look at what they pray. Look at what they pray. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They have this great vision and understanding of God being sovereign even over salvation. And they're moved to pray. And God answers their prayers in real time. It's a mystery how all that works together. But somehow we've got to hold those two together. That God is sovereign in salvation. And he invites us to engage and earnestly pray. And we see real answers to prayer. Well, what's God's motivation in all this? That's the next aspect. What is God's motivation? Look at verse 4 and 5 with me. Verses 4 and 5. 
Back in Ephesians. We're back in Ephesians chapter 1. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Love. This is what was motivating the heart of God. This is why God the Father sent Jesus. This is why Jesus died in your place. He loves you. He loves you. The old song says there's a God-shaped hole inside of every man. Listen, uh, I use this often here, but some of us, like the theme song of our life is the U2 song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And listen, there's a longing inside every person that can only be fulfilled, that can only be filled with the divine, perfect, unfailing love of God. And this was motivating God in securing these spiritual blessings. He loves you and he delights in blessing you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Nobody had to twist the father's arm. His, his heart is like a waterfall of love falling upon our heads. Dear friends, your soul can find rest today if you'll let the love of God be enough for you. Your soul can find rest in that today. And we see that God's, we see God's agent in salvation. So we see God's blessing of salvation, God's sovereignty in salvation, God's motivation in salvation. Then now we see God's agent in salvation. I want you to see this with me. We're going to go through it quick. But just see these phrases in the scripture, will you? Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. Jesus is the agent of God's salvation. This is how he secured it. Even, verse 4, even as he chose us, in him is in Jesus. Look at verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Evidently, Paul thinks like we're slow learners, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to tell him in verse 3, it's in Christ. And then I'm going to tell him in verse 4, it's in him. And I'm going to tell him in verse 5, look at verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse 7, in him we have redemption. Listen, the reason our mantra here at Real Life is keep it real, keep it Jesus, is because that's what Paul said. It's all about Jesus. Look at verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Friends, don't miss this. Listen, Paul was not random in using this phrase over and over and over again. He wanted us to see with spiritual sight, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings, is the agent of our salvation. Jesus, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, King Jesus secured our salvation. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 13, in him. Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. Do you get it? Like, okay, Paul, we get it. We get it. I mean, what does that mean for us? That means every single good thing in our life has been purchased by Jesus on the cross. So every good blessing in our life, we turn back to King Jesus, and we give him thanks, and we worship him accordingly. You won't lose your salvation because you did not earn it. <laughs> it was graciously given to you, and it isn't going to be taken away from you. You were sovereignly sealed. You are cherished and chosen. 
You are adopted in love. God did not waste Jesus. Jesus accomplished what he intended to accomplish. God was both purposeful and effective in his salvation plan. Church, I love you. And I know that that many of you either grew up or have arrived at a different understanding than what I'm explaining this morning. And just the mention of predestination for some of us get our emotions all riled up. And for some of us, it's like I've already got a headache. Just like you've mentioned it 15 times in the sermon. Like in my mind, it's just like I'm trying to bend my mind to understand how it all, how it all works together. I want to encourage you, church, to work hard to fit it all together. But don't let unanswered questions be the enemy. Don't let mystery be a plague to avoid. Don't let your inability to understand it all perfectly keep you from enjoying and appreciating the aspects of truth that seem plain to you. Can I just say that again? Don't let your inability to understand. Let's, let us not let our inability to understand how it all perfectly comes together to keep us from enjoying and appreciating the aspects of truth that seem plain to us. Work hard to fit it all together, but, but don't let the challenge of working hard to see how it all fits to keep you from reveling in the fact that you're loved. To, to hinder you from realizing every spiritual blessing, it's mine. I've got an inheritance. I think I'm going to like it here. My prayer for our church is that God would just give us spiritual sight to see the wonders of our salvation. Because he's given us every blessing. He's not withheld any of it. So God, would you help us? Um, when, when we come to communion, communion is a meal for Christians to remind us that every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ. Communion is to remind us it's not of our own doing, it's of Jesus' doing. So, so if you're not yet a believer here, we're so glad you're here. This is your moment, a special moment for you to consider God's grace. In just a moment, we're going to rise to our feet and come, and we're going to tear the bread off representing Jesus' body, and we're going to dip it in the cup representing Jesus' blood, and we're going to remember his death as a promise to us that every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ. If you're not yet a Christian, what we want you to think about this morning is every spiritual blessing could be yours in Christ. If you'll receive him as your Lord, as your Savior, it could be yours. Um, church, I'm going to pray and I invite our servers to go ahead and make their way to uh, the, the stations. We've got two stations in the back and two stations in the front. We don't come to communion because we feel worthy. We come to communion because we know we're unworthy. And he loved us still. Amazing grace amazing grace. So let's pray and then we'll come and celebrate every spiritual blessing is ours. Father, we pray in Jesus' name and by your spirit and we pray, Lord, as we come to the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, that you would awaken our spiritual faculties to enjoy 
the blessings that you have heaped upon us through your son Jesus. So increase our ability to enjoy the goodness of your salvation in us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, you come, as you're ready, you come. Church, the devil can't get the lid off. (laughs) He can't get it off. It's sealed. What's the right response to this truth that every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ? Chosen, adopted, redeemed, sealed with an inheritance. What's, what it, what's the right response? Well, we see God's purpose for salvation. And I just want you to see it starts in verse 3. Look at it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you, God. We bless you, God. All this is to the blessing of your name. God. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So what is the purpose of salvation? Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. It's glorious grace, isn't it? It's, It's just so glorious. It's just so good. We're like so undeserving. He loves us anyways. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. What's his purpose? Verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. What's God's plan? He's purchasing a people through the cross that might be to the praise of his glory. He's demonstrating his majesty through accomplishing our salvation. Verse 14, who is, the, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. If you don't sing with all your heart, it may be because you haven't seen with spiritual sight the wonders of your salvation. If you don't sing with all your heart, it may not be because you're not a singing person because my guess is as many of you were sitting in front of a TV yesterday cheering on some team and you didn't remain quiet and unmoved as touchdowns were scored, but you had a shout from the couch. But why don't you have a shout from your seat? It may be because you don't see with spiritual sight every spiritual blessing is yours, sealed chosen, adopted, redeemed. And my prayer, church, is that the Spirit of God will give you spiritual sight to see the wonders of it, and you can't help but to praise His name to the praise of His glorious grace. Church, let's stand to our feet. Let's worship Him in response to this great salvation. Don't let a rock cry out for you this morning. Sing it louder than you've ever sing it. Leave church a little hoarse today because you've seen with spiritual sight how good His salvation is. Come on, listen. If you're unmoved this morning, if you're unmoved, and we be, as we begin to sing, cry out to God, God, would you break my heart? If you feel numb this morning, if you're unamazed, cry out and say, Lord, help me to see. Help me to understand. Soften my hard heart. Church, let's sing out with all we got. Let's praise him.
Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.